Welcome to the E6 Podcast from Colonial Church, a place for candid conversations about what our church community is learning, what's going on in the world, how it all applies to our lives as followers of Jesus. My name is Rook, and this is episode number 90. Number 90. Number 90. We're not going to go too long today because we have an interview with Ellen Bourgeois, who is um, an expert in some of the mental health fields that we've been dealing with over the past month. So uh, I'll let that speak for itself and her speak for herself here in a little bit. Um, but Lauren, how's it going? It's going well, man. How was your Thanksgiving? You know what? It wasn't what we planned. Um, <laughs> holiday vacations are okay. not always that way. Had some sickness in our home while I was gone on my sabbatical week and then came home and a couple of our family members were sick. And mm, we, that's no fun. No. And so we were going to see my in-laws, uh, we hoped, for four days. Um, travel days on the bookends of that and a couple full days in the middle down in, in beautiful Houston, Texas. Um, <laughs> I say that facetiously. The concrete jungle of H-Town, right. I call it. And long story short is it got cut short a couple days. Mm. We, we literally drove six hours on on Wednesday and six hours home on Thursday, which was pretty brutal. But yeah. it's just all we just needed to protect some of our our older family members from from ourselves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but it was it was it was good. It was it was despite that quick trip. It was really good to see family. My oldest was home uh, Monday through Friday. That's fun from Oklahoma State, and I'm just I am enamored with her. I love my girls in in general. But um, some of our listeners are maybe ahead of me on the journey and have already had kids move up and out of the house. This is a first for us. She's a sophomore in college, our only one of our four that's moved out. And um, if I had a nickel for every time, my wife goes, I miss Abby. Mm -hmm. And I go, I know, me too. Mm -hmm. And um, we're just so proud and um, hopefully not, you know, with withholding her from her freedoms and that's the that's the dance you dance as a parent is how much do we yeah control and discipline and correct and 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 that slow gradual letting go mm -hmm. um we're still paying a lot of the bills she's still very much our kid she's not independent and then all at the same time she's staying out late and making her own decisions and dating boys i don't know and i mean i remember <laughs> i remember coming home you know, to my parents' house while at college. And I remember the first couple of years where there was still expectation of yeah. me letting them know where I whoa, was. Whoa, 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 it's 1030. Where are you going? Yeah, exactly. You're and like, I, like, I do what, this all the time. What do you mean? Like, <laughs> I don't understand why this is a thing. I thought I was grown. Am I not grown? Oh. But yeah, so that's, that's, uh, it's a, yeah. That's a fun, I'm sure that's a fun dance that, you know, you I don't want out. her to be gone, gone today. And I don't want her to be 35 and living on the couch, yeah. you know, and somewhere in there is this gradual mm -hmm. <laughs> in between, mm. you know, so, but wow, little, little, uh, aside there. Great Thanksgiving. How was your Thanksgiving? How were the Jameses? Thanksgiving was good. I think, um, we did, uh, we went up and saw the in-laws, went to Oklahoma and, uh, we had, we had some, some, they're in OKC. Is that right? Uh, they're a little bit South of it, but, um, okay. In a massive metropolis of uh, Purcell, Oklahoma. Purcell, about, okay. About, about 6,000 people. Okay. And um, uh, so we, we went up there and we had some brisket and turkey and uh, at the same time because we don't do turkey and they they are into that. And so we had both. 
Um, so that was good. We had a lot of food and we played some games and the kids had fun and got to see a cousin and, um, you know, seeing the grandparents and all that. And then we, uh, we, we drove south and met my parents, actually met my dad in uh, a random gas station in Gainesville and handed off the children to my dad. And he took them to their house, and so they got to go spend the uh, the the next three four days with uh, with grandparents on the other side and cousins on that side. That's and, down in the Metroplex, right? And that's north yeah, side that's, of Dallas. that's uh, north northeast side of Dallas. Yeah. Okay. And um, and my wife and I drove home. And how much time did just the two of you have? We together? did not have kids from Thursday night until Saturday. Saturday let's see, Sunday Woo! Sunday evening. Yeah. Got home. I, I went and picked them up. Got home about dinner on hey, Sunday evening. Good so. for y'all. Way to go, in law. No, that's your parents. Way to yeah, go. Yeah, that's my parents. Yeah. So I just flash back. This is not where you're going. I Christmas vacation with uh, Chevy Chase uh-huh. um, was on. You know, repeat like <laughs> like all the classics are these days. So I watched a couple different times. I watched some some uh, parts of it. <laughs> they he's got the lights finally going on all over the house. Yeah. And the whole family's out there, and he's getting, you know, Chevy Chase characters. Griswold is getting all um, sentimental, and then he discovers um, his brother, Eddie. Yeah. <laughs> and his wife are there with their RV and their kids and their dog. And <laughs> I love that moment where they're like, uh, we have room. We have plenty of food. And <laughs> um, and, and he's like, no, no, I don't want to impose. And they're like, no, no, just bring. He's like, well, you know what? You could have the kids in there. That's right. My you wife could, and I could have could some privacy the in the RV. Yeah, yeah. And it's like the most awkward, weird. Uh-huh. And yet, you know what? Fortunately, ours was... As ours married was, couples, good for you, Brooke. Know, that's right. Good that's for right. you. 48 Fortunately, hours with no hey, kids. I will I will say this. It was... it was Obviously, it's great for us because you just... You know, it's quiet. And then, of course, a couple of days in, we're like, okay. I miss my kids. We're bored now. Yeah. Now what do we do? It's cold and rainy and... And, uh, but, but I will say that my, my parents were also like, so Christmas, you gonna want to, you want to like leave them with us for a little while? It's like, yes, we do. Wow. Yes, we do. So tons of our listeners. Sounds like, sounds like my parents. Tons of our listeners are like, oh my goodness. I wish. (laughs) Sounds like my parents are bored. My parents were like that or I had that opportunity. Okay. So we had Thanksgiving. Is it now? officially okay to be christmas time you're asking the wrong tanner's not with us know, today he said as soon as it gets cold if i remember according <laughs> to right. tanner that's the rule that's right. as soon as there's a day under 60 I think, it's christmas time. i think most people would agree I, I hesitate to speak for most people but i think i'm about to i think most people would agree that the day after thanksgiving call it black friday call it thanksgiving's over and we got all this leftover turkey and we're still watching football Okay, bring it on. Bring on Christmas. I, I think that's an agreed upon. I mean, does it have to be December 1st? Does it have to be... I mean, what are we waiting for post-Thanksgiving, right? I had multiple multiple neighbors out on their roofs. On Friday? On, uh, I don't know, was it yesterday? Some Saturday, people will do Saturday, that. Sunday, I don't know. Was it Some people do that Saturday. Thanksgiving Day, the day before. I think I remember Kelly when she was on here with us a couple, three weeks ago, yeah. which was an awesome, awesome episode. Kelly Morris rocks. But Kelly said, oh, my goodness, Monday of Thanksgiving week. If I remember right, you know, I'm going to town, so yeah. to speak, on decorating. That feels weird to me. But post-Thanksgiving, I think all the gloves are off. You know? <laughs> I just take advantage of a good day outside, and I'm like, oh, now it's time to decorate for Christmas. You were, you're just pragmatic. Care. That's what I love right. about you, Brooke, is, ooh, it's 61 degrees, I have been, and I have time off. I'm going right. to go crazy, <laughs> so right. I don't have to do this when it's 18 degrees. That's right. That's right. It's genius. I have been called a Grinch before. Um 
But you're a practical Grinch. <laughs> I try to be practical. He's a mean and, one. Uh, I would say, you know, I do have Christmas lights on my Jeep, so. Mr. Grinch. Uh, but anyway, uh, this, so, so this question came up over the over the last week or so. Um, but now that it's official Christmas time and everyone is playing the one Mariah Carey song that they know. Not me. Um, nope. Can you guess? Buble. Can you I'm guess? Stuck in Buble world. How much money? Mariah Carey makes <laughs> off of All I Want for Christmas is You. Holy. Yearly. She because annually makes a fat check off of just that song. Yes. I, I honestly wouldn't know what to guess. Please dazzle us with. $2.5 million wow. per year is that... the estimated amount because she doesn't have to like turn in her taxes. or I mean, oh, she has to do that, but not to, not to like TMZ or whatever. But Goodness. Isn't that insane? Can you imagine that kind and of? She's not. She's income? doing nothing for it now, right? Right. All the work has been done. I mean, I'm sure she goes and and like plays it places. Wow. But I'm so now she naive just does commercials and probably gets paid more for that. But over seventy million dollars in the lifetime of that one song. That's incredible. How insane is that? That's incredible. And and then now just think of the thirty, forty, fifty other classics that get replayed. Right. Over and over and over and over and over again. You know, whether it's Bing Crosby or it's... Blue Christmas. Grandma and... got run over by a reindeer. I mean, the most random <laughs> things. Like, how much are they... Wow. I mean, Elvis's estate. Like, how is much that money why, are they making Is that why... That? Stupid question about music. Is that why so many artists try Christmas album, try Christmas single? Because they... Somebody has helped them understand, man, if this one sticks, if this one is, is tied to this holiday... It will be residual income. I mean, I don't know. I'm I think that that's up. part of it. I think there's also the the hubris of, I think I could do that song better. Yeah. Um, I think there's also just that people like those traditional style, not style, but um, they want to take those songs and make them their own. And right. It's an easy. I think it's an easy. Uh, it's an easy buy for a lot of like, oh, the band I love did a Christmas album. I'm gonna go get it. That's true. I'm I'm one of those. Yeah. Uh, I hear. I hear the some, uh, yeah. the Philadelphia Eagles offensive line apparently did a did a Christmas album, and I'm like, I'm not going to go buy like, it. Like but I'm sure going to go look it up. This yeah. year they did, yeah. Oh. <laughs> but it's ridiculous. Nobody it's cares like, about that. I know. I know. I you just not, lost. Everybody just turned us off. I'm not going down that road. Redeem us. Come on. Come back. All right. Um, I'm driving down the road today this morning, and I see a star in the back of a window, like. Really big one. I mean, it's it's like two feet tall, maybe not that tall. Like but a Dallas Cowboys star? Yeah, that's what I thought, but it was red. Oh. And underneath it, it said, them boys. And now I'm confused. Uh-oh. And I don't understand. Is it the communist cowboys? <laughs> I, don't <laughs> I don't know what that is. I don't, I don't know. So negative thinking. So this weekend. <laughs> Speaking um, of me just making a really bad <laughs> assumption there. <laughs> Negative filtering, I don't know. ladies and gentlemen. He teed that up for us. All right, so I was off this weekend. Um, I have read through some of your notes and things. Um, and things. And, and things. <laughs> I mean, there's lots of... There's pictures and scribbles and all kinds of People things. People don't see. You have 29 pages printed <laughs> in front of you. <laughs> this is really... You, can this I, is really little insight into me as a teacher for our listeners. It's 29 pages of notes that I used on Sunday. But that's mostly because I cannot, I'm getting old and I can't see. So the font is ridiculous. It's 14 font with lots of white space on my pages. And then the, the verses and the quotes and the, some of the slides are 18 font. <laughs> so what? Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah. And old. and the there's there there actually are pictures. Yeah, uh, the pictures that represent that slides have, that you would have made on the slides. Yeah, it's for our there, yeah. it's for our CG team to know where the heck is Lauren. Right. But uh, anyway, to the content. Yeah. So negative thinking. Um, on why why would you add negative thinking before we even get into the content? Um, so we've been talking about depression and anxiety. Um, you know those kinds of trauma of, of mental health. Yes. Um, mental health issues. Yes. Why why is negative thinking for you high enough on this list that it needs to be part of this? Well, first and foremost, to remind our listeners, and we I hope I'm doing it I'm doing it justice to give credit where credit is due along the way. Part of the reason we did negative thinking is we are taking a a already written teaching series from Life Church and Craig Rochelle and his writing team uh, up in uh, Oklahoma. And, um, man, they're so amazing. They just have this open-hand posture of, hey, here's all our resources. Use them. Here's our message series and graphics and all that stuff. And so, first of all, it's one of the seven topics they addressed. Here's an interesting thing, maybe, maybe, in light of your question. I thought we were going to end up doing this series for six weeks because of calendar issues. And, and so I wrestled with what to cut. And this was the week I was going to cut. In retrospect... Um, especially having sat with the content and tweaking it, you know, a little bit for us, but mostly just taking their content. I'm so glad we went in there. So to answer your question, I think there's a lot of us, while, while a chunk of us can relate to depression, a chunk of us can relate to the trauma and how we have responded to difficult events in the, in our past, um, I think, you know, we're going to talk about, spoiler, we're going to talk about burnout this Sunday. I think, a, I think a bunch of us can relate to burnout. I think that negative thinking is a much more relatable struggle um, than, I would argue, most of these topics. Because mm-hmm. um, I, think, I think, for example, I struggle with trauma a little bit. I shared, you know, how I've looked back and, and, you know, an event or some series of events have affected me negatively. I struggle um, with anxiety to some small degree. But I would argue I'm a relatively mentally healthy person. Negative thinking, I think, has really um, connected with me. I don't think I have a... Can I I dive in for a minute? I don't think I struggle with relational cynicism and trusting people. I don't think I struggle with a negative filtering and always seeing the bad and not seeing the good and expecting the worst. Um, I don't think I struggle at much at all with absolute thinking. I, I really embrace nuance and gray and, and I actually get frustrated with other people's absolute thinking. Um, I think more than anything else of the four areas of negativity that, that, the material talks about and that I shared yesterday, what I wrestle with is blaming. Uh, I think that um, I would certainly like to believe I'm not a victim and I don't see the world that way. I don't play that card until I do. (laughs) I think that there are some times in my own fallenness, in my own insecurity that I have said, oh, well, that would have worked out really well for me, except so-and-so did that Mm -hmm. or man I deserve X but I got Y and that's so-and-so's fault Mm. and that's just where where changing my thinking 
and honoring the Lord and renewing my mind in this area, where the, what that looks like for me, I think is if I am so immersed and and to use the word from yesterday, like a cow, I am ruminating on, I'm chewing on God's truth and his promises, um, just saturating my thinking with who he is and what he's done and how he sees the world, how he sees me. I think that that just humbles me, creates this deep level of gratitude in me, and I'm not blaming anybody. And I think it it really changes my thinking to own my own sinful choices, my own insufficiencies, and yet not not pour condemnation on myself um, and not blame other people. And so that's the aspect of specific chronic negativity that I personally can relate to. Um, on that note, what of the four areas of negativity from the teaching, um, I know you read through it and we even talked about it a little right. bit offline. What, if anything, uh, of those four areas of negativity do you feel like is, is a struggle for you in some way? I think it's, it's funny to, you know, I read through these and pick one. Um, don't, don't force it. If no. it's, I've, <laughs> I've already heard you you mentioned one of them. Yeah, yeah, no, I think it's 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 just um I think there are times that different ones pop up and we live in a society that that ruminates if you will. Um that we we live in this in this in this world of negative <clears throat> thinking in so many different ways where you know from uh driving driving down the road and uh you know somebody cuts you off and they're the worst person. They're a terrible driver. And why are they even out here? And then when you do it, it's like, well, I mean, it's not that big of a deal. Like I just need to get over it. Like, yeah, and I wasn't and paying attention for five seconds. Get off me. Right. Like on, we man. just, the new, <laughs> so I mean, hypocritical, well, right? Well, the, the news, if it bleeds, it leads, you know, yeah. it's like the, the, everything that's the worst thing ever is what but that's we, what everybody else is doing. Right. And we need ratings to exactly. have our jobs. And so and we got to keep up we with justify it. justify so much of this You know, stuff. you talk about um, uh, absolute thinking. Like, isn't that our, the, our politics right now? Like, politics is either you are you are absolutely with this yep. one or you're absolutely with that absolutely. one. Absolutely. And you are absolutely <laughs> against the other one. And there is no in-between or anything. You know, it's it's like we just live so much in that. Um, and I, I think I think if, if I had to pick one, um, and, and also admitting that there are plenty of times in my life that, any one of those might might pop up, but the negative filtering I think is is something that um, it's uh, it's borderline something. I don't I don't know. I don't I don't want to say that I don't struggle with it by any means, but um, also I also grew up in a um, in a, a culture um, work wise that um, that strived for excellence, if you will, and in that made me be very critical, made me, um, uh, taught me to be very critical. And so now it's really difficult to go to um, pretty much anything and not have a critical eye in what it is. What's that graphic look like? How does that fit on the screen? Did they say the right words? Or what's the temperature in this place or you know, any, any number of things. And, and so it's, it's really easy to switch from having a critical eye of how do we get better at things to just seeing, uh, seeing what's wrong and having to, you know, fi- finding the need or feel you know, feeling the need to point out the things that we could have done better or that were bad or, or whatever. So, uh, I think that's, um, 
if uh, if I was going to dive into one of them, I think that would probably mm. be the one that would that'd be the easiest for me to slide into. Yeah, that um, makes sense. And at the same time, I, I said it, you know, they made me um, blame the blaming them and being the victim of it. Like it's been very good for me at the same time. And but it's but it's also easy for me to to step into that, I think. Um, mm. So I, I don't I don't feel like I I don't feel like I am a uh, generally distrustful person of um, people and their motives. And um, I think I pretty much assume that you are telling me the truth until I have a reason not to. Yeah. Um, you know, you know what I would postulate, golly, am I using that word? Postulate. Huh? Yeah. Um, what I would propose mm-hmm. is that even in the moment, I love you. I respect you. I respect you and anybody else listening. Who's just, just willing to humble yourself and go, okay, you know what? Some of this doesn't feel like it's about me. Hey God, do you have anything to say here? Mm. Um, I don't, I'm not a negative person, you know, I'm not, I, I don't see everything in black and white and I see gray and I'm not absolute thinking. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's the easiest one to really be in denial about, frankly. Right. Cause if you're an absolute thinking person, it's almost like being tone deaf. You can't, you can't hear it. You <laughs> yeah. know, that's why we watch, you know, shows like, the well, book, I don't need to hear it like, because I'm right and you're wrong. But we watch, yeah, okay, that's a good point. But <laughs> said differently, we watch American Idol and go, holy moly, why is that person even auditioning? They're 100% tone deaf. Where's their mother <laughs> or their friend going, no, 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 you can't sing. Uh-huh. But they, in their defense, they can't hear it. Yeah. You know? So I think it takes a lot of humility to say to other people and mostly to, to the Lord, okay, I don't see it. Mm. What do you see in me? Mm-hmm. Is there negative filtering? Is there cynicism? Is there? Um, I just think that's a beautiful posture to take, uh, and be teachable. Yeah. Um, I heard someone say early on in my adulthood and in stepping into vocational ministry, and it was his opinion. One of my mentors in young life ministry, he said, "Hey, the the biggest thing I hope for you as a young." longtime minister, pastor, is that you are teachable. Mm. Um, because so many things can be overcome if you're teachable. Don't think you are good. Don't think you have nothing else to learn. Um, I think with negative thinking, I think because I, I really believe we all in our sin have a negative bias. Yeah. I think that alone should give us pause to go, eh, okay, even though I don't think that's me. I don't think I'm struggle with negative thinking, chronic negativity. It's just going, okay, I I am a sinner mm. and I live in a fallen world and I have interacted my whole life to this point with other <laughs> fallen sinners. I probably don't see the world exactly like God does. I don't see other people like here here's where one of my prayers as I interact with non-Christians in this season of life, it's 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 like a new prayer for me is I pray I love that Cesar said this in the interview a couple weeks ago about trauma and dealing with how do you take your Christianity to your professional counseling? And he said, I love this. This is stuck with me. He said, I pray that I can see every person I interact with on any given day as made in the image of God. Hmm. It's a perspective change. And to me, that's teachability. It's humility. It's, it's a posture of I'm going to see every relationship 
okay, potentially God, how, how do you want me to change in this relationship? How do you want me to um, repent even of how I'm not handling it like you want me to handle it? And it's not just the broken by infidelity, broken by anger issues relationship. It's the day-to-day, as you would like to say, rubbing shoulders with different people and and just, okay, how do I see them in made in God's image? And how am I, how am I humble enough to go, I could be better at this. I could be slightly less, less negative in my filtering. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and I think it's a, that's, that's a reason where... Um, I think negative thinking is such a big deal, and um, I think it's easy to just kind of breeze over and and not see it as as that important. Um, one of the things you, one of the points you made was that negative events imprint on our brains more quickly and stay longer than the positive ones. Isn't that fascinating? It it is, and and it it takes me back to a book that I read several years ago called "How Full Is Your Bucket." Um, by by Tom Rath and um, and this the, this book basically is like h- how to navigate a workplace and um, and 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 what it takes to to keep yourself in a positive mindset and I I, I think you have to be careful because it's not like oh just think positive thoughts and you know put that out into the universe and, mm. um, but but very specifically this book and I, I, it's been a while so I'm, I may mess up the the um, exact number, but they talk about in this book that throughout your day, um, one negative thought or one negative comment towards you or, uh, or statement or, or whatever, whether that's, you know, social media or your boss said something to you or, you know, whatever, somebody, you know, somebody, you know, just made it, made a negative comment that one negative comment takes, um, I believe they said six positive, um, uh, comments or, or whatever, not, not necessarily like combating that, but also, you know, six more positive things mm. to even it out. And, you know, cause it's how easy is it to get to the end of the day and be like, oh, man, you know, actually I had a pretty good day, but there was that one comment. And so I think I had a bad day and it was a rough day because I stuck on that one, that one thing that I thought about for yeah. the whole day. And yeah, no I, just, I, mean, I remember thinking, man, that is, you know, to, to, to live in a place where it's so easy to just to just pick on something or point out something that's negative or or make a negative comment and how yeah drastically that shifts people's lives yep you know yep. I just thought it was crazy it, it brings to mind as a public speaker I heard somebody a long time ago say man if you ever get anonymous feedback don't even read it mm. like it's it's the the possibility well said potential again <laughs> the possibility that it's negative and you can't even go talk to that person to better understand it or to unpack it more. Yeah. It's just, it gets imprinted on your brain quickly and it stays longer. And, and even if it's good, you can't, how much credit do you give, you know, somebody's thoughts or feedback if it's not. So I'm not, I guess there's a time and place for anonymous feedback for sure. The safety of it. But I, I that just comes to mind. As but how, speaker. but how difficult is it to, to not give that, it's very difficult. credit, right? We, you can we say, are oh, well. Don't don't get don't 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 no, listen to that. It's not that big of a deal. We, we already heard. We it. are wired to give it a lot of credit. Yeah, we're wired to give the criticism a lot of weight. You could try to rationalize yep. it and 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 yep. deal with it in your head, but it's still you already heard it. It's yep. already there. Yep. Hmm. One, one, real quick, nobody you didn't ask for this, but one of my favorite discoveries uh, the last few years 
is um, to identify when someone is being critical, somebody's being negative, and they they want so much to give their argument, their criticism more weight, and so they add a, a phantom mob behind them. Right. So they yeah, say, yeah. "Hey, listen, uh, here's, here's a lot of here's people. There's a lot of people right now that are very frustrated with you, and." If I didn't know any better and I didn't understand this this phenomenon of a, of a phantom mob, I would go home and I would cry in my pillow because I would I would picture in my mind there are hundreds of people who are talking about me, who are critical about me, and yet if I go back to the words that are actually spoken, it's one person saying there are a lot of people mm-hmm. who believe X, Y, or Z right. about you, and... And we just lump it in. Like, and we lump it okay, in. Okay, so, so maybe I, I heard, maybe I actually yeah. heard that. So by even a couple of people. This but is the yeah. Then we 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 well, we, we load it. There's we load one it up when it's, I first it's totally a loaded statement. Yes, and when I first learned about identifying that and trying to protect myself from chronic yeah. negativity, I learned to boldly say, "Okay, hold on, hold on. You just said a lot of people who hmm. I'm not trying to be a punk, but this is helpful for me." And the first couple three times I did this with with people. Invariably, it was like, well, uh, well, it is me and and my wife, and um, and then this other person. Well, they didn't actually say it. I said it. I said, "Don't you agree?" And they said, "Uh, yeah." Siri said it back to me. Yeah, and so it it just lost its weight, you mm-hmm. know. But this person wanted so badly to add weight to their their negativity, to their criticism, to their maybe even just their their good intentioned agenda, mm-hmm. you know. And so, um. That has nothing directly to do with what we're talking about, but it is related to negativity and even how we receive it from other people. Um, I know as leaders, I've learned to identify phantom mobs and just call it for what it is. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, you said me and a bunch of people who, oh, I don't want to name names. Okay, well, then how, I can't, I'm not sure that this is fair. I don't know who you're talking, I don't know how many you're talking about. Right. Um, I'm really looking forward to this interview. Can we transition a little yeah. bit? Um, two things I want to say quickly, hopefully, before we get into this fantastic uh, conversation with Ellen Bourgeois. One is on the subject of being a cow, on the subject of ruminating uh, over God's truth. Um, I was looking at scripture again. I didn't say this yesterday. Um, oh, my goodness. And Oh, there. Nope. I clicked out of it. Uh Psalm 1, I'm pulling it up on my iPad now. Psalm 1, verses 1 and 2. I want to read this from the New Living Translation. Any second now, it's going to cooperate. (laughs) This is real-time recording. Here we go. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join in with the mockers. But... They delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. And what I have learned is that that word meditating on Scripture, meditating on God's truth, the Hebrew word there for meditating, it it actually is the same word that they use for cows chewing on the cud. Hmm. So so it's not a leap here. (laughs) David is talking about, but they delight. You know, not people who hang out with bad people and are immersed in bad thinking, but but no, instead they delight in God's law. They they chew on it like a cow chews on it day and night. Just one more example That's of gross. 
It's it's gross. I hope it sticks with our our heads though, because it's what the Lord wants. Um, on that note, um, didn't provide a particular resource yesterday, but I do want to put something in our show notes today. I am a huge huge fan of the Navigators, um, like Young Life, Campus Crusade, or now called Crew or or Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Navigators is a parachurch organization. And they are fantastic with their resources about um, specifically scripture memory. And so I have used what's called their topical memory system. Um, if you, we'll, we'll put a link in the show notes, but if you even just Google navigators and TMS or topical memory system, you will get several options. They've got packets um, of, of and, and, a, and a system where you can memorize hundreds of, of different verses and truths from scripture. They've got one for kids. They've got some for adults. Um, they've got a few different formats. There's other methods. I, I think they uh, have a navigator's topical memory system app that might even be something down the alley for, for people. Um, but I just want you to know, I have used the TMS um, with navigators set in several different seasons of my life where I have, I have chosen to ruminate. I've chosen to, um, you know, put, these little flashcards on my bathroom mirror and my dash, my car. And I've had times where I take a partner or several people in a group I'm a part of. And we just go, we're going to memorize, you know, one verse a week, or we're going to memorize two or three verses a week. And we're going to quiz each other every week. And, um, it is amazingly effective as to how that sticks in our brains. And so, um, one resource I wanted to give you all, um, to shift gears to our interview, uh, You'll hear from Ellen and her expertise and her exposure to different issues and different ways counseling, professional counseling can help. I want to tell one quick introductory story, and this will explain in part why I am so passionate about us as a church here at Colonial, um, about us as pastors and elders here at Colonial, uh, providing um, good resources of local Christian counselors. Uh, When Carrie and I were in our 20s, I think we were 26 we had just moved to Denver. We'd been married for just over three years, no kids yet. She was teaching. I was going to graduate school to seminary in Denver. We were broke. We were happy. Um, we were doing great. And uh, at, our, at my seminary, at my, at my grad school, they said, hey, normally counseling costs $90, $9,500 an hour a session, uh, but we've got several adjunct professors that, that are full-time professional counselors here locally that we trust, we love, and they have agreed for any of our students to do sessions for $5 each. And I looked at my wife and was like, okay, um, I don't think we need counseling, but <laughs> five bucks an hour, man, let's go, let's not go waste their time. There's other people that they need to help, but let's go, let's go three, four, five times. Let's just go check it out. And so my, my wife, Carrie, was, uh, agreed to that. And I'll never forget, this is, this is one of the just crystal clear memories in my mind in my 20s, 26 years ago now. I am driving with my wife in the suburbs of Denver. It's a 10 or 15 minute drive to this counselor's office. We had never met her yet. Her name was Kenna. And Carrie and I were laughing. Why, why are we doing this? Mm-hmm. Like, we've been married three years. We're, we're good. Like, we're, we're best friends. We see other couples that have struggled, are struggling, we trust each other. We're having a ball together in this life. Um, 
I, what are we going to talk about? I don't know. What are we going to, I don't know. What do you think? We're, I don't know. What do you think we're going to talk about? <laughs> and we just, just went in because it was five bucks and we were curious about psychology and all that stuff. And so we walked in. I promise you it wasn't 10 minutes. I'm not exaggerating. 10 minutes into that very first conversation with Kenna, Kenna Barron, that my wife had tears streaming down her face. And I felt like a dumb male <laughs> who did not realize that our marriage could be better. Mm. And make a long story short, um, realized we had some issues to work through. We had family of origin issues um, that were, we just grew up in different homes and different habits and cultures. We, we were not communicating well. She did not feel heard by me. And I thought everything was great. Yeah. Um, our marriage wasn't what she thought it was going to be, which shocker, that should be true probably for 99.9999% right. of couples. It's not, it doesn't turn out exactly like you thought. So all that say, we saw Kenna every week for, I think about six months. And then we finally started going every other week and monthly. She was sweet to say, I think you guys are good now. But to this day, <laughs> I use some of the tools she taught us about communicating better. Um, some active listening skills. Uh, Carrie and I have, our holidays with Thanksgiving, with both sides of the family and Christmas coming, it's different because we learn some of our family of origin issues and what stirs up what and why we act this, why we're more affectionate or less affectionate. or It just was so helpful. And so I say all that before this interview to say this that hopefully will explain to our listeners and to our colonial folks, um, you know what? Our pastors, our elders are not equipped for every problem. Yeah. Can we just say that out loud? Yes. Our church, any local church, you pick one. They are not equipped for every problem, for mm -hmm. every challenge. There is a need for experts in certain cases about certain things. And so when people are really hurting in the areas of mental health, um, including relationship issues, as I just talked about with my wife, uh, there's a time and a place to go, you know what? I would go to a doctor if I had bronchitis. I would get my car oil changed instead of just letting it use the same oil for 20 years <laughs> until it burns up. Mm -hmm. um, so with all that said, I've done a lot of the talking today, Brooke. You okay if I tee up the conversation? Yeah. Uh, don't forget to um, check out the mental health page, clonethechurch.com slash mental health. Yes. We have um, all, of our, all of our messages. We've linked the podcasts there as well, but mainly there is a list of uh, list of counselors that you can reach out to and talk to yes don't go through any of this as a struggle on your own agree yes colonialchurch.com slash mental health all one word right yes mental health right um, thank you for reminding us of that and without further ado is that is that a Cajun word I don't know a Cajun word uh, uh, ado is it ADO? Yeah. I'm picturing it as A D E A U X. <laughs> I've just got wow. I've got Louisiana on the brain because Ellen, don't, you're gonna find out. I loves. don't know that it is. Okay. I make up words all the time, don't I? Potentially it's you a sure word. You sure you want to close this out or you want me to do it? I think it's appropriate if I close it out. <laughs> um without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, our friend here in Wichita Falls, Texas, Ellen Bourgeois. Hey, Ellen, thanks so much for joining us. We are having a chat here with Ellen Bourgeois. 
I joke all the time, hanging out with your husband, Lance, that I just love saying your name, Bourgeois. Bourgeois. <laughs> that's from your Louisiana roots, am I right? Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> we could talk about Louisiana and your love for all things Louisiana. We're not going to do that right now. Oh, go Tigers. <laughs> <laughs> All right, had to throw it in. No, so glad you're here. You are the, among other things, your role is the executive director of Christ Counseling Ministry, uh, which is a, a ongoing ministry here in our community of Wichita Falls in the area of mental health. You've got, uh, I believe you said, 14 professional counselors. Yes. Um, staff of uh, many folks that, that has people coming and going every day, sitting down, trying to work through different struggles. Um, I've tried to catch you up, Ellen, on the series we're going through here at our church uh, called Peace of Mind and just trying to, to normalize the struggles of mental health, trying to uh, counter some misconceptions, uh, chiefly probably that Christians shouldn't struggle with mental health. You are a Christian, you're a pastor's wife, and you have had your own struggles yes. that you're open about. Um, I've had my struggles. We've got people in our churches that think something's wrong, that they're sinning, that this is not something Christians should struggle with. And yet you and I know better. Right. <laughs> I'm so glad you're here to have this conversation. Let me Thank dive you. in and ask you this. Yes. Um, tell us about the kinds of mental health challenges here in our community that people are coming to CCM, Christ Counseling Ministry, that people are coming to your, your organization for? What are you seeing people bringing? Wow. Uh, there are many. Um, there's a wide variety. And um, I'm pleased that our counselors are equipped to cover so many different areas. Um, and people really come for all kinds of things. What we've seen a lot of recently have been marriage issues, mm -hmm. family issues, uh, anxiety and depression have been huge. Mm. And uh, unfortunately, since the pandemic, we're seeing uh, more and more uh, divorces happening. Really? Family You've... conflict. Um, and sadly enough, and I, I think the statistics would show it, um, even more uh, just family situations that are leading into um, abuse situations, mm. uh, you know, and conflict after the divorce, and, and we're, we're hearing some unpleasant uh, things. And, you know, it's not just the parents having conflict over custody issues, but then it, it gets worse. We've seen more and more where our counselors are ending up in court because really? of, yes. Uh, and, you know, that's probably always been a problem, but it's, it's become more severe. Mm. But what I would just say is um, the pandemic has affected everyone. Mm. Uh, we've seen more and more alcohol issues, uh, trauma, um, and part of what happens with trauma is that that often comes out later in the uh, sessions as they move along. Sometimes people come in for one thing and you find out several sessions along the way that the, the issue is really different mm. than what they originally came in for. Mm. Um, we have a person who handles uh, what we call 
um, our intakes, our intake specialist. Everybody and who calls in seeking help. Correct. And um, uh, that's a basic short process, and she tries to determine basically why are you coming for counseling. And then through that, she tries to find, okay, who would be the best counselor for you? Um, and, of course, part of that is who's available. Um, and quite honestly, our counselors are so busy. Wow. Uh, we are thrilled that we just hired a new one. Uh, last week, we brought on a new counselor okay. who's going to w- work with us part-time. Um, she lives in Nakona, and she's working part-time in Decatur, but she's going to give us three days a week. So we're thrilled about that, but mm. finding quality Christian counselors is not an mm. easy process. I, I know I'm grateful for your outfit, if I can call it that, in part because, you know, a lot of things we have, we have kind of have one of everything. I like to say that we have one of everything here in Wichita Falls. It's not a big city, yes, but we're not a rural small town. We've got some good resources, but for counseling, when I first got here after living in Denver for a long time and Mm -hmm. living in Houston for a long time before that, one of my concerns was, am I going to be able to, as a pastor, am I going to be able to find some local Christian counselors that are worth their salt, you know, right. that can really help and value partnering with the church. And I can't tell you how grateful I am to connect with CCM. We've got a few other um, smaller practices or individual therapists that I've been able to meet and, right. and, and, you know, hope that they can be helpful as well. But CCM to me represents an answer to prayer <laughs> here in our community. Great. Well, love to hear that. And part of that is, you know, the people that we bring on, I, you know, we we are very careful about who we bring on, mm. um, because there is a great need. But we we can't just go out and put an ad in the paper like any other you know person that needs to hire employees, um, because it is very important to us yeah. the quality and um, their relationship with Christ. Yes, you you mentioned the pandemic and the impact uh, very recently of that. And in so many ways, I think we're all celebrating, uh, rightful, rightfully or wrongfully, that it's over. You know, that's behind us. But in so many ways, you're dealing with the aftermath Correct. of the pandemic. How have you seen needs change or intensify over the last couple of years uh, in any particular areas? If nothing else, I want to hear, uh, I hear from the education world for sure that our kids are struggling. W- what are you seeing from intakes, from from the needs uh, being intensified, if any, in that regard? Well, uh, it's very interesting. Um, Youth is, it's my heart, uh, you know, our, uh, who is serving as our, um, as one of our directors, uh, Jennifer Garner, it's her heart. And when I came on as executive director, that was already something that I thought was important to pursue because uh, this generation, the youth that uh, we currently have is considered what uh, people who study generations call Generation Z. Right. Um, and it's roughly, I believe, between born between 1997 or so, um, and I believe it goes up to around 2012. But anyone who's currently in college, high school, junior high, down to elementary, that's that generation. And uh, what's unique about them, just a few factors that have influenced them, is they've really never known life without cell phones. 
the internet. Um, and the biggest part of that is the constant barrage of information. Mm. Um, and in some ways, they, they've lost their innocence. Mm. One of our counselors um, who does, spends a lot of time with youth, um, she mentioned the other day that recently she started to notice while anxiety and depression is a big problem with them, what's really struck her lately is they don't know how to be kids anymore. Mm. Um, and probably because they feel the weight of the world. And since the pandemic, um, they, you know, they worry about a lot of things that we didn't worry about as kids. We'd get out and go ride our bike and, and stay out until the sun came up and then come home. And we just didn't have the same concerns because we weren't hearing about things 24 seven mm. on our phones. Mm. Uh, but another thing I would add about the pandemic is think about how it affected everyone. And adults are worried. They're worried about the economy. They're worried about health. They're worried about um, just the state of our world. And um, when, when, when adults are not doing well, it's going to trickle down to the kids. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of research that says the, the best way that we can help kids these days is to have adults move into their lives and build into their lives. Well, when there's so many adults who aren't doing well. Yeah. It, uh, and then what you said about the schools. I mean, the schools are barely keeping up. There was a day when maybe teachers would have been very influential in kids' lives. Well, when teachers can barely keep their head above the water, uh, you know, there, there's less chance for teachers to be a positive influence. Mm -hmm. I know there are so many quality teachers that would love to help, but they just are barely surviving themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, one thing that I think was most telling is in the last year, in 2021, because I think everybody expected, oh, the real effects of the pandemic were in 2020. But 2021, in the fall, about 18 months into it, is when we saw a tremendous surge in people coming for sessions. That's when the increase in numbers of sessions is really hit its peak. Interesting. And I looked at it and kind of thought of it from the perspective is, that's when everybody's resolve kind of gave out. Mm. It, it's kind of in the early days, you know, there were people who were immediately affected, their, their resolve, their mental health. But by 18 months into it, everybody kind of gave in. Yeah. And what was interesting was last year at the end of 2021, I started to realize almost all of our own counselors we're counseling with other counselors. Wow. When Even our when helpers needed help. Our helpers needed help. Mm. They were worn out. And what I've seen this year in 2022, our sessions have gone down in the last few months, and it is not because of demand. It is because they are worn out, mm. and they are just having to slow down. Wow. And uh, our clinical director has told me, she says, we cannot push them anymore. They're burning out. They are fatigued. And when I think about it, I'll just give a couple of examples. When a, one of our best counselors comes and says, I had to call CPS on four kids today, mm. four kids in one day. 
that will do them in. Yeah. When they talk about having, you know, three families who are battling in divorces and it's just it takes very its toll. contentious. Yeah. Those things really start to take their toll. You know what? I did not anticipate you sharing that. And I'm convicted in the moment for all of our listeners to this interview. Would you please not only stop right now and pray for our helpers, for our counselors, for CCM specifically, um, would you, would you maybe consider committing to praying regularly for, for helpers, whether they're teachers, whether they're pastors, whether they're social workers, uh, our counselors in our community, um, there's no doubt that those are hard roles anyway, mm-hmm. to give of yourself to help. Uh, but there's a, there's a, there's a cumulative factor, I think right. of, of helping in the midst of trauma in the midst of, of needs. So I'm convicted in the moment to kick it up a notch and pray for you guys, Ellen. I appreciate you sharing that with us. Tell us, let's let's get to the heart of CCM specifically as a resource for any of our listeners, anybody that goes to Colonial. Tell us about CCM as a resource. Who is Christ Counseling Ministry and how do you help people? Okay. Um, well, you know, Christ Counseling Ministry has been mm-hmm. around for a long time. Uh, it dates back to its founding in 1991. Okay. So it was a couple of years ago that we uh, celebrated 30 years. Um, what I love about that ministry is that it has stayed true to its calling, its original founding, and that's to provide biblical Christian counseling, professional Christian counseling, um, and that core uh, mission has, has never changed. Mm. Um, we have tried to expand, uh, in recent years because in addition to providing that counseling, um, we want to provide more education, uh, and we want to not just wait for people to come in to us. We also want to go out and find the people that need, Mm. um, help because not everyone's going to come into a counseling office. And I think you pointed out some in the Christian community, there's a stigma, um, and then I think with our youth, um, fortunately, I don't think there's as much a stigma. It's kind of interesting um, that Gen Z, um, they're much more willing to admit they go to counseling. They almost yeah. kind of wear it as a badge of honor. And, <laughs> I've seen that firsthand, yeah. But at the same time, um, I mean, there's definitely going to be a lot that that yeah. just maybe aren't aware of our services or may not think they need it. Um, and then there's, there's a lot of populations that, uh, may be more resistant to it. Also, um, you're much more limited with youth, um, in that, you know, they're not always able to get themselves there. You know, Mm -hmm. you have to affect parents and families. So some of it's education. I, I know I can say, um, my kids, who are both in college, have both come to me, which is pretty amazing, and told me, thank you so much for always providing that for us and mm. for considering counseling to be important. And because as they've moved through high school and college, they've met so many people that either their parents didn't think it was important, told them, oh, you don't need that, or never really 
encountered counseling until they were much older. Mm. And they said, it's been important to us that that was important to you, and we always had it available since a young age. It's affirming from your own kids. (laughs) It is. uh, But, you know, at the same time, it saddened me because they would come to me and say, their friends would say, I'd really like to see a counselor, but my mom won't take me. She just doesn't think it's important. Mm. So it is sad. And so, so some of it's that education. And um, even in the schools, sometimes it's education, because I remember I spent 10 years in education working with other teachers. And some of it's, I just don't think the awareness, I worked with um, a lot of kids that had learning disabilities and ADD and anxiety. And there is a complete inability to learn when you're struggling with some of those mental health issues. Mm. And how many teachers did did not realize some of those simple truths and the importance of connecting with kids and the relationships. Mm. And I know time is limited, but there is just a complete shutdown mentally and an inability to learn when they are struggling with some of those issues. And since the pandemic, I think most of them are. Yeah. How are you going to learn if your basic mental health is in trouble? Absolutely. We, I'm curious, you mentioned, uh, you know, staying true to its mission, CCM, with, with Christ-centered biblical counseling, um, especially for folks who have either only experienced secular counseling or, or probably more commonly haven't, haven't ever gone to a counselor, think they have this, whether it's a stigma in a negative way or just this perception out there of counseling, what does is, what is Christ-centered biblical counseling look like to y'all? What, what does it mean to be picky about who you hire because that's what you want to stick to? What does that look, look like for CCM? Yes, and I'm, I apologize. I realize I got a little off oh, that's okay. <laughs> focus there. But um, I think one of the core issues for us is the fact that for Christian counseling, of course, the simple answer is, our counselors are Christians. Yeah. <laughs> They're believers. But to dig a little more in depth, um, obviously, biblical truth is foundational. And um, when I look at just basically our values, um, we took the time in recent years to write down what our core values are. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of them is truth. And when we say truth, it's capital T truth. It's biblical truth. And uh, what's interesting is a lot of our um, clients actually aren't believers or certainly aren't walking with the Lord, are not actively um, pursuing their faith, maybe. But even if they are not, while we might not actually quote a verse or, you know, refer to the Bible or open it up, we can still guide them with God's truth. Mm. And what I love is how much recent uh, neuroscience and things that are being studied are confirming the truth of Scripture. Mm. Um, One thing I talked about with a group recently, uh, we were uh, talking about the fact that shame seems to be a big problem. And there are some researchers in social science who have talked about so much of our problem is shame. Uh, that's been studied and verified. And when you open your Bible and you look at the beginning, Genesis, what was that problem? Shame. 
in the garden, and what did they do? They covered themselves because when they sinned, they were filled with shame. And we're still doing it today. It fits. And then another thing uh, that really hit me, um, when I did a recent retreat with our staff, um, we talked about Brene Brown, who is a uh, researcher and studies social science. She studies people. She's done a ton of research and has a list of what she calls wholehearted living values. And right about that time in church, we were doing a study on the Sermon on the Mount. And all of a sudden it hit me in the middle of the sermon, wow, this is amazing. Her wholehearted living values align so amazingly with Christ's Sermon on the Mount. Mm. Um, The stuff that Christ teaches works in the real world. Her research proves the people who are happy, who are living the, the most successful, peaceful, happy lives are the ones who are pursuing these kingdom values, not the ones who are going let me get what's for me. Let me try to, to, to fight and be on top. Let me work all the time and not... Pre- it's the ones who are living out kingdom values. Mm-hmm. Uh, scripture, biblical concepts, they're working. And so that's the biggest thing is integrating, you know, scripture and psychological principles. And there are some people who would say you can't do that. And ultimately, the Bible is the final word. Uh, there's no question about that. But I really think that, that there is a lot that we have learned in psychology, in counseling, that does fit, mm. and in neuroscience more than anything. And that's a lot of things that have come out in the last 10 years. Mm. But the biggest part of it, I think, and what we're really finding at Christ Counseling Ministry is it's ultimately the realization that our whole being, we can't separate our parts. It's not, oh, I'm, yes. you know, this is my mental being, this is my spiritual being, this is my physical being. They are all tied together. I, I believe that wholeheartedly. So, yeah, so so I think the people that feel like, oh, mental health, that's a sin problem. Well, you know, we're, we're all tied together. So, yes... It can be a spiritual problem, but it's also a psychological problem, and it can also be a physical problem. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so you cannot separate them. We're, we're whole people. Mm. And so, yes, there's all the effects. So um, just trying to, to split a person apart and look at just one facet mm. isn't enough. I love hearing you affirm that. I know, <coughs> excuse me, I know that uh, I'm so glad we're doing this teaching series right now on mental health and and I hope uh, one of the one of the byproducts of just the conversation including conversation with you today but the ongoing conversations on Sunday mornings and in our small groups and around this is I just want this to be connected to discipleship yes um, we think of discipleship uh, of spiritual transformation we obviously think of the fruit of the spirit we think of, of the way God changes us from the inside out. But for whatever reason, at least in my past, we, we separate all that right. from the physical, taking care of our bodies, um, and how that plays into our ability to be kind and to experience joy and <laughs> to right. be more patient. And we separate you know, um, mental health issues 
um, you know, being diagnosed with, with specific disorders or chemical imbalances. And we separate all that from our spiritual lives. And we think, well, I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to go to my small group. I'm going to go to church and I'm going to serve in the nursery. And I'm going to, you know, and we just separate all this church stuff, all this blatantly Christian stuff from our mental health uh, specifically. And I'm, one of my hopes beyond even just dealing with some of these specific tops, topics we're dealing with is to to bring that more holistic picture of growing into Christ-likeness, growing into the whole full life that he invites us into. I loved hearing you say before we started recording that your church, Grace Church here in town, is is trying to do some some different things uh, for the community and and for your church especially and you're going to be doing some things in the spring very very poignantly on mental health yes um, I'm really looking forward to seeing what grace does there um, let me ask you this question you've already alluded to this more than once you've alluded to the stigma but because I feel like we're having ongoing conversations with people many of which are so engaged with our teaching series and this broader subject of mental health, but I still feel like there's this contingency of people, this smaller contingency of people that says, I, I, I don't have any problems mm-hmm. or yeah, I'm struggling with this, that, or the other, but I don't need to go see a counselor. Um, I, I've even had a few people say some blatant, you know, well, I'm, I'm real. Yeah. I'm, I think I'm burned out. I think I'm, I think I'm struggling with depression pretty bad, but it's not as bad as some people. So I don't need to see, it's not, it's not extreme. I don't need to see a counselor. What do you say to people, whether it's from your personal stories and experiences or from your, from your role overseeing CCM, what do you say to people who just seem to resist that notion of sitting down one-on-one with a trained counselor? That's a tough one, and um, it's interesting when you say that. Uh, I can tell you statistically, um, 75%, and this has stayed pretty constant within a few percentage points since I've been there in 2019, 75% of our clients are female, 25% are male. I don't believe that that is the percentage of people who struggle with mental health. So what does that tell you? Wow, that's that's alarming to me. Uh, yes. Wow. Um, that is... I'm not surprised. I guess I shouldn't <laughs> be surprised. John, that, John Wayne still has a strong impact on our, yes. our men. Just it's, rub some dirt on it, you it's, know? It's pretty <laughs> telling. And I will tell you even further, in talking with uh, one of our two... Um, male counselors, actually we have three, Uh, one of them is semi-retired, so he's there a limited amount of time. Uh, But one of our two male counselors who works a lot, uh, had a very interesting conversation with him recently uh, because of some scheduling conflicts and things that were coming up, and I was talking to him about it because his schedule is changing a lot, and there's a lot of last-minute additions, and it really was just an administrative issue. And as I approached him and we were talking it through, he admitted, he said, well, I mostly see men. He said, and quite honestly, he said, 
that's how they are. They cancel at the last minute. They try to get in after work. He said, and he said, and they don't, they don't stay for a long time. He mm. said, it's not like, and he referred to a couple of our female counselors. He said, it's not like them who have these clients for long, long periods of time. He said, my men will just come for a little bit of time. If I'm going to maintain clients, I kind of have to let them uh, change at the last minute. And, and I kind of have to, wow. I guess he was trying to say almost bend to the times that fit for them. Mm. In other words, the women are going to come and they're going to work into the schedule and they're going to keep coming. And the men, it's hard to get them in. Mm. So what I would say is, and it's not 100% that, but I, I think part of the problem is there is still a stigma that's more heavily male. Men struggle to come to counseling and talk through uh, the issues. And uh, so what's to say? We probably still have some work to do to, to train our culture mm of men that um it's okay it's and all, okay to talk all the more reason problems. as a male i'm i'm eager to speak into that i'm eager to um highly recommend you know helpful christian counseling and um, call men out for their their reluctance for their um you know the, their get over it mentality their tough it up you know, right. there's too much of that. It's not, there's nothing uh, feminine to me about counseling. <laughs> it's right. God made us uh, to heal in community. I've said that more than once these last few weeks. He made us to heal in the context of relationships, not in isolation. And there are some really smart, experienced, trained people that can help us with that. And we're I just try to be myself here on the podcast. We're idiots if we don't take them up on it, I think. Right. Um, one of the things that, that we tried to say early on in this teaching series is, um, you know, seeking help is not, uh, is, is nothing less than, than wisdom. Right. You know, so. And another thing I would say, and, um, you know, and, and I would encourage you because what you're doing is amazing. Um, I think a lot of people, adults, are going to follow um, the, their leaders and what they see in the community. And so obviously you doing this and encouraging your church that it's okay. It makes a big difference. Mm. Um, cause stigma is going to come a lot from, you know, religious communities, Absolutely. church communities. Absolutely. And, uh, just to give a perfect example, um, you know, this is great. You're doing an incredible service to your church community. Grace Church has been pretty open about this for a long time, so I don't feel like there's that stigma there at Grace. Mm, um, we have been back, uh, my husband and I, in Wichita Falls for a few years, but we were in Louisiana for five years from, uh, from 2014 to 2019, and we were at a very small church there. And um, it was fascinating to me when we first got there, I had the opportunity to share my testimony in the women's ministry. And I was pretty open. I, I just, I had been at Grace Church. It had been very meaningful. And uh, I just kind of always thought sharing my struggles was important. I just did not realize how influential it could be. And I did that in Louisiana. 
Um, what's interesting is that community, I, I started to find out, had one of the highest suicide rates in the nation. Wow. Very affluent community, but obviously not dealing well with <laughs> their affluence and all of their uh, issues. But anyway, um, I shared my testimony pretty early on um, about my struggles with postpartum depression and, and some mental health issues. And uh, one of the women that was there was married to a psychologist and ended up telling us later that they ended up coming to our church and stayed at our church because of that testimony. Mm. They were absolutely blown away because they'd been at churches before that communicated very little respect for his position mm. and did not seem to support his, his role as a psychologist. And she said when she heard my testimony, she went home and told her husband, and they immediately felt like, this is a church that is going to support us and they believe in mental health and they will talk about it and wow. And it made all the difference and they stayed. So, um, you know, churches that will support and, and encourage, you know, the mental health community, the counselors and the, and the doctors and the psychologists. But then I would also say on the other hand, uh, doctors and men, and the medical community mm -hmm. supporting and encouraging it. And, and I, will, um, I will give a shout out to Kenneth Sultemeyer, our pediatrician in town. He refers people to us regularly. And I know personally, as, as he is a friend, how his heart has broken over the needs in the youth community. Mm. And during the pandemic, he would be just down about the devastation it's had on the mental health of youth. And we had many conversations, and he actually came and visited with us once when we were trying to get a grant to share about what he had seen. And um, he's regularly calling our counselors and working closely mm. with them to make sure they're getting the best care. His clients mm. are getting the best care. That's how much he cares. That's the kind of work that needs to be done. If the schools, the, the churches, and the mental health people and leaders in the community, if everybody's working together, I love it. That's going to change I love it. perceptions. I love it. Our, our, uh, I'll, I'll tout our, uh, our mission statement here at Colonial that people hear us say all the time is uh, we believe we exist here at Colonial to make disciples who will unite uh, Wichita Falls and impact the world. And uniting our city... Um, I think in some ways I get stuck thinking uniting the church, mm -hmm. um, which is, if that's all we are a part of, I think that's beautiful and wonderful. Right. But you bring to bear to the, the calling uh, in, in a way that honors the Lord to unite with all the helpers in the city that, that just want to love people really well and honor the Lord in that, whether it's in the medical community or the mental health uh, professionals or the schools. I'm married to a teacher, so that's always going to be Absolutely. near and dear to my heart. Right. A dad of four. Um, so glad to partner with you guys. I hope Colonial, over time, can partner more and more with CCM. Um, I want to do my part to make that happen. Uh, thank you for joining us today, Ellen. Uh, I want to make sure uh, everybody knows in the show notes, along with this interview, we're going to have contact information for Christ Counseling Ministry with, uh, I think we can put their website on there and a phone number and an email to contact them. 
um, want to encourage any of you who need help. Not only are our pastors and our group leaders and others here available at Colonial, but there are some things that, that we're not equipped to handle that we want to eagerly refer you to people like CCM and they will meet you right where you are and do everything they can to help. So Ellen, thanks for being here today. Oh, thank you for having me. We're glad to help as I think we share a like heart and mind for this community and the mental health needs. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you.